But where are you really from? But where are you really from? Hi everyone, I'm Jesse Lin, and I'm Angela Lin. Welcome back to another episode of But Where Are You Really From? This week, our episode, we're going to talk about the Taiwanese elections, which recently happened on January 13th of this year. I think the news around Taiwan, in terms of Interests, politics, all that stuff has really blown up over the last couple of years due to the relationship between the U.S. and China and where Taiwan falls into that. So we wanted to take some time to talk about the election and the ramifications and interesting things surrounding that. So first things off, a sporting congratulations, sporting congratulations to Lai Qingde from the DPP party for winning the election for being the president. I think it's the first time in quite a number of years that a what the same political party has held on to the presidential seat. And uh, on the on the flip side, though, his win had one of the the lowest number of voter participation for his win at around just forty percent, as opposed to like there's usually a much higher percentage win rate for the winning candidate. And I think of interest is also within the. Legislature, whereas the DPP used to have the majority, they've seen their majority reduce over the last couple of years, and now they're they're at this point where the Democratic Party has to share their former majority with the more conservative party and the more centrist party that has recently cropped up. Yeah, so the actual numbers breakdown is technically KMT has a majority. It's not. By much. It's 52 to 51 against the Democratic Progressive Party. Well, so what does this mean for Taiwan moving forward? Um, doesn't seem like many people care <laughs> that, that DPP continued to win. The sentiment I got out of all the news articles I read was like, it wasn't exactly a big win. Like, even though you might on the surface see it as like, oh, the like pro-independence party kept their kept their power for a third consecutive term. That means that like Taiwan's on this trajectory towards independence. But actually, all three presidential candidates of all the parties pre-announced their stance that like none of us are trying to declare independence. Like we're all status quo to a certain extent. And the other reason I said, like, I feel like no one cares that much is even China didn't care that much. Like they did immediately issue a statement upon his win. But it was so cookie cutter. It was literally just like, we still stand by one China policy, like nothing's changed. But there was no immediate like strong military action or like, it was nothing to the extent of when Nancy Pelosi was like, trying to land in Taiwan, that whole spiel that went on, nothing compared to that. So that tells you a little bit something about how much of a threat they really think he is. My personal opinion is that I don't really think his win means all that much for like the change in Taiwan moving forward. China going to do what China going to do, but it wasn't like a big, uh, it didn't like stoke their fire that much. No, I think that's what most of my research outlets were saying too. So I was looking at it from like a progressive think tank perspective and also a conservative think tank perspective. And both the perspectives more or less align, which is that China tried very hard to exert some kind of influence over the outcome. Obviously, their preferred party to win is the KMT. 
but they don't really care either way because the legislature is basically locked up now, right? You have like no one's in a majority, which means that any kind of independence movement or secession movement would have been really hard to begin with just to get international support because that would have shaken up like a ton of things for Taiwan. But even if they, even if they wanted to now, the parties are going to find it quite difficult to negotiate that since there are basically now three entities with different levels of control over the legislature at this point. So yeah, more or less the same. China is probably not really going to sweat too much about it because, I mean, the writing's on the wall. Unless you have anything else you want to discuss about the just like general part of the election, I'm stoked about talking about the third party that really shined through, I think, in the election. You seem very jazzed about this third party piece. So let's talk about I am jazzed about it. And I'm jazzed for like, yes, I'm jazzed for somewhat like selfish reasons. I feel like, you know, as we've talked about, Americans were so myopic a lot of times that we always talk about me, me, me. For a long time, many people, including us on this show, we've talked about kind of how broken our our current political system is, especially the, you know, two party system where we don't necessarily identify strongly with either. And we wish there was some third party centrist group that could kind of join forces of all these people that kind of are stuck in the middle of like, I don't necessarily identify 100% with either side. Um, and so that's why I found the election results for Taiwan so interesting. As you already mentioned, even though the Democratic Progressive Party continued their win, and they're still going to be in power for the next four years, it was such a small majority. So they only won 40% of the votes. KMT, the other main conservative party, won 33.5%. This third party, new group, first time ever running in a presidential election, Taiwan's People's pa- Taiwan People's Party, TPP, won 26.5%. That is insane. And actually, it sounds crazier when you look at the number of actual votes. So... DPP, the one in power, won 5 million votes. KMT won 3.9 million votes. And TPP, the new party, won 3.1 million. So it was only 800,000 votes behind the KMT. That is insane to me as like an inaugural election of a brand new party. And it also is super fascinating to me because the main group behind this third party win are young people. And like the main reason why people really gravitated towards this third party is because Cohen, a a political candidate, really put his foot down on like, I want to address the housing issue that it's like completely unaffordable for people to buy houses right now. I want to address how wages haven't been increasing. I want to address healthcare and making it better, like things that actually impact people on a day to day. So that's why young people are like, yes, and they really rallied around him. So I just found that super fascinating because I talked to my dad about it before, but even he, who is over 70 years old, (laughs) told me before the election, he was like, honestly, of all the three candidates, I prefer this third party candidate. And my dad was like, "I, I would vote for this guy. But he was like, because I don't think he can win. I'm going to vote for KMT because I don't want DPP to keep winning. 
So he threw away his vote towards KMT just to try to prevent DPP from winning. But if you can imagine how many people had the exact same thought in their head, where they're like, a third party can never win. So even though I really like this third party candidate, I'm not going to quote unquote waste my vote and cast it for the third party. Instead, I'm going to cast it for the default one I always vote for, Democrat or Republican in our American case, right? Whereas if like literally all those people who were on the fence did actually vote for the third party, maybe they would have won in, in this Taiwanese election because he was so close. He was 800,000 votes away from tying with KMT. That's like literally the standing power behind Taiwan originally, you know? So I just think there's so much momentum behind this. And because, as you mentioned, in the legislative UN, there was no landslide majority from either of the original parties. The TPP is like the power holder now because for anything to pass, both of those old parties need to negotiate hard with TPP to get votes on their side to win a majority. So really, they hold the power to make anything happen. So I'm like super, super interested by this and selfishly because I'm like, hoping something like this could happen for us in our own political sphere. Hey listeners, wondering how you can support us? The biggest way is by increasing our visibility by following us on Instagram at where are you from pod on TikTok at but where are you really from subscribing to our YouTube channel under but where are you really from podcast rating and reviewing us on Apple podcasts and telling your friends the more people we can get to listen to the show the more we can continue spotlighting different perspectives and stories and if you feel so inclined we're also accepting donations at buymeacoffee.com slash where are you from thanks y'all I feel the same as you. Like, I think it's really interesting that there is a whole new faction that the voters have brought up. And it actually kind of follows a lot of what we've been seeing across the globe, like this kind of wave of what you might call dissatisfaction or apathy towards the status quo, right? Like you've had a certain power in place for a while now, and that power does not necessarily address the wants and needs of what the general public is asking for at the time. And so they're turning to a new solution. And so there are a lot of these kind of like, for lack of a better term, like populist movements, because the movement is basically saying like, the party come up is saying like, the people in power don't get it. Only we get it. Only we have the solutions. A lot of these movements are kind of cropping up as incumbent institutions kind of fail to deliver on what people want. And like, the longer you are where you are, I feel like the more easy it is to lose touch with the, the voter base, right? Like that might have been what brought them to power and brought them to popularity, but it's no longer what the voters are interested in. Very much similar to here, you know, our, our bread and butter political parties, I think, were popular with the voter base for specific issues. And a lot of those issues people don't care about anymore, but it still seems like the party itself has not given up. And I think that's an interesting question to, to ask here, because I would assume in a smaller country, it would be easier for an incumbent institution to be more agile in the way that they're handling, like voter issues, voter dissatisfaction, like servicing their constituents. But it seems like in this situation, there is a significant gap in, in satisfaction that is causing, I actually think it's really interesting your dad said he would vote for, um, vote for TPP. Because I would, I would assume that it was like a splintering of 
a lot of folks from DPP. So it's like the vote is effectively split. It's both sides. It's both sides. He's literally centrist. Like he he has liberal leanings, but KMT side likes him as well, or a faction of people like him as well, because he's not so like, fuck China. You know, he's not like, I'm not going to talk to China at all. He's like, I'm open to having communications with China. We got to like figure this out, but I'm not going to like secede. I'm not going to say just like, fuck you. I'm, I'm willing to speak with them. And I, as far as I understood from like the articles I read, which doesn't mean anything, but like, it seemed like China respected his viewpoint. Like, it seemed like they would have been open to working with him and probably have a little more respect for him than, uh, than the new president. But that was my feeling of it is like both DPP and KMT both saw a much smaller percentage of votes for their groups this time around than in the past elections, because they both got votes stolen away by the third party. So it wasn't just that people didn't vote for the Democratic, you know, progressive side, they it was literally like stolen from both sides. It's genuinely a centrist party. Girl, I'm not really surprised. Like, sometimes I watch the things that my dad watches because he watches a lot of these, like, Zhenzhi shows about, like, politics and whatever in Taiwan. And I'm like, I would be tired, too. It sounds like everyone is screaming all the time. Like, they're always yelling at each other. It's always, like, a very loud. Like, no indoor voice conversation is being had. Yeah, so it, part of it might just be that, and it might just be, like, how how local politics is, right? It's, like, it's a little bit of a dog and pony show. But I'm also like, as a voter, I would be like, why is this person yelling at me all day? Like, can we just have more like a calm situation? But I do, I, I think those issues that they tapped into are, are very real. We've talked about them before. Like the, the gap in wages between people who are college graduates in Taiwan versus here is staggering. But the housing prices are almost about the same if you live in a large metropolitan city, which most people want to. That's where the jobs are. So uh, the issues are very real that they've tapped into, like the, the issues that are bothering people. My last thought is just that another giant issue is just that we've never rallied behind one person. Like third party people come up, but they've never been that interesting to enough people who lie in the middle to like rally behind them like andrew yang tried to do something after he lost the last election to make like a third party thing and he did not have the votes like nobody nine of people who were you know disenchanted with democrats and republicans were like okay andrew yang like you're the guy there's no one like that in the sphere right now who's like everyone's like okay that's the guy that's the woman that's whoever that like we can all rally behind so that's part of why I was just so like, okay, this is hopeful in Taiwan, at least, that like one person can appeal to so many people. We've just never seen that. There isn't like one person that has so much hold on these, like all of us leftover people to group us all together. We all just have like little factions that like we're interested in that can't get our shit together. Let us close to the close, which is... What do we each think is going to happen? I think my perspective is, as with a lot of populist movements, some of the people that are leading them actually have an idea, like they have a concept of what they want to execute and they have a plan. And then some of the people are just, they're in power and they ran on the platform that we don't like the current incumbent and that's all there is to it. So it's really kind of like 
now that they have the seats, they have the sway, they have the political capital, I think if they're not able to quickly activate that, they're going to lose a lot of a lot of their following very quickly. And as always, come back next week for a fresh new episode. 再见, bitches. <laughs> <laughs>